Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Now this morning, we're going to continue in Mark 4. And we, we read up to verses 21 to 25 where Jesus talks about that lamp that was brought. Not to be put under a peck measure, he said, or under the bed. You don't, you don't take a light and hide it. You take a light and, and let it shine. So today, if you could just recall that to your mind as we go into the next part, because there's a lot of this, you know, teaching what Jesus is giving about the kingdom of heaven. How the kingdom of heaven, he said, it's like light that has come to this dark place. And you don't take the light and hide it. You take the light and let it shine. And as he was describing this to his apostles, he told them to be careful that they that they don't judge one another. And we went over this last week. As soon as I was done, someone came up and said, well, what about judging people, you know, church discipline? What if somebody's in sin? In the scriptures, it's very clear that we're only to judge one person in, in our standing with God. And who is that person? Ourselves, right? Paul, the apostle, when he was teaching about communion, he said to be careful. Make sure each one of you examine your own selves. Before taking communion, you don't want to take it flippantly. You want to, you want to say, Lord, is there anything in me that's displeasing to you? And let the Lord show you those things. And the beautiful thing about the Lord is he has this. He ha when he points out something that I need to work on, he doesn't do it in a condemning manner. He does it by his Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit convicts us concerning sin. Now, the devil condemns you concerning your sin. They both start with the letter C, condemnation and conviction. But they And they both point out your sin, by the way. This is what I think some people, they almost think that these two words are, are synonymous. And somehow they're synonyms that condemnation and conviction, it's condemnation equals conviction or conviction equals condemnation. I don't care which way you put the equation. They think they're the same because they both point out that you have sin, right? They both say you're doing something wrong. When I'm, when I'm in sin and the Holy Spirit convicts me and points out that sin to me, he says, hey, you're doing that wrong. He points out my sin. But condemnation does the same thing. Hey, you're sinning, stupid. Well, I mean. Usually that's how condemnation, some sinner, you know. And though they both point out my sin, they have a completely opposite effect. See, Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to what? To save it. Let me just read you the next portion of the, of the chapter of Mark 4. Starting in verse 26, it says, And Jesus was saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who casts seeds upon the ground and he goes to bed at night and he gets up by day and the seed sprouts and it grows and how it says he himself he does not know but the earth produces crops by itself first the blade then the head then the then the mature grain in the head and and when the crop permits but when the crop permits immediately it says he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come now you know jesus He's going to go on and give that other parable about the um, about the mustard seed and it growing into a huge tree. And, and at the end, what's he going to say? Let those that have an ear to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says. And then 
we've been re revisiting this part here where it says, and the disciples would come to him and say, we don't get it. <laughs> what was that all about? And, and he would privately explain each of these parables to them. Now, unfortunately, the parable of this grain being thrown out a seed, this one doesn't get um, explained to us in the Gospels. There is, a, there is a verse what Paul the Apostle will share. He'll say, um, one man um, plants a seed, another man waters it. But who causes the growth? God. And this is something that he, Jesus is telling a parable that, uh, you know, the kingdom of heaven is, um, it's like a man that just casts seed on the ground. He, he plants it and then it says that he goes to bed. And it sprouts up a little blade first, and then the stalk, then the mature head. And he doesn't actually know how it all works. It just, once a seed gets planted, it does its stuff. And with the words, what Paul says about the, the seed, well, one man planting a seed, another man watering. But who causes the growth? The Lord. And, and sometimes I think that as Christians, since I, I wonder, why did he teach about this seed right after he said, be careful you don't judge one another, that you don't, you know, whatever measure that you use to measure one another, you're going to be measured by. Why, why would he follow up a verse about measuring or judging someone else with this thing about the kingdom of God being like seeds that are planted that we don't even understand how they grow? But, but when they do grow to fullness, that's when they're, that's when the guy can go and put in the sickle and harvest it. And I think this is a word really simply that, you know, God's at work in people. He's got seeds growing. We don't even understand how they're growing. We don't know. And it's not, a, it's not for us to understand. He didn't even give further explanation about this pa passage. I think it's because he's like, look, you don't need to know. Yeah, one thing I've learned, if someone comes to me and asks me a question I don't know, those of you who've been with me a while, what's my answer? I don't know. If I don't know, the best answer I can give you is I don't know. And you know what? i got to share with you. I feel no pressure to have to know all the answers to your silly questions. Oh, I'm sorry. They're not silly. The only questions are silly, the ones you don't ask. But when I pointed out that fact, I also want to remind you, who is it we're supposed to ask? See, when you ask me some of your questions, I might think they're silly. But when you ask the Lord, he never thinks they're silly. You can ask him anything. And he never, he says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall what? Find knock and the door will be opened. He invites you to bring your seeking, your knocking, your asking to him. Because he has the answers. And one of the beautiful things that I think that we, we overlook is that we, we just need to remember God's kingdom is seeds are being planted. And those seeds are doing their job. They are growing. In fact, the next parable, the mustard seed says that little teeniest of seeds can grow into a ginormous tree that all the birds of the air can rest in. Only God's kingdom can do that. But we forget. We forget that the Lord is at work that the Lord is doing. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but let me share with you something that has really helped me gain perspective when it comes to others. 
I might meet somebody and they, in my instant outward judgment, might seem um, messed up. I'll just put it that way. And somebody will say, well, how can you have patience with those people? And it's because of this very principle what's being taught today. That seed is not going to not grow what it's supposed to grow. I have to just be reminded of one thing. We are all works in progress. What was it? Um, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. See, we forget how faithful God is. He who began a good work is always faithful. And I meet people and I realize they're just starting off the work. That's all. They're just beginning. The work has just begun. But those of us that have had the Lord um, working on us for a while, you realize, has he ever been unfaithful in your life at what he's been working on you? No. He's always faithful, and he's always there. And in his true faithfulness, he never condemns me for my sin, although his spirit does convict me. Now, I said the two words aren't synonyms. Back to that condemnation and conviction idea. They both point out sin. The devil's behind condemnation. He's going, you sinner, I see what you did. And the Holy Spirit is also doing the same thing, saying, hey, you did that wrong. But the two C's have a completely different response. How you can tell whether something is truly conviction or condemnation comes down to this. When the Holy Spirit convicts you about your sin, he always is wooing you to God. The devil, however, will point out your sin with only one goal, and that is to drive you away from God. Conviction leads you to the Father. Condemnation drives you away. Boy, you're such a rotten sinner. This is the devil speaking. You're such a bad person. You shouldn't even go to church. You know, bad people like you don't even belong in that group. I got news for you. Look around. You're surrounded by a bunch of bad people. It's... The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. not You ain't sitting here and you're the special exemption, the perfect one. No, only Christ was perfect. And we're all works in progress. And we will get convicted of our sin. But what I found out, you know, as soon as I taught last week about let's not judge one another, I got hit twice in the same day. Well, what about church discipline and judging people for being in sin and putting them out and I said, man, you know, in 30 years of experience in the gospel, the Bible says, if you see your brother in sin. Now, first of all, if you see your brother in sin, what does it say? Go broadcast it to everyone. Pass some gossip and rumors, right? This brother's in sin. Did you hear? No. It says, if you see your brother in sin, before you go to him, the Bible says, before you try to remove a speck, out of your brother's eye, first you have to take what out of your own eye? The log, the beam. Get that telephone pole out of your eye because you ain't going to do him any favors as you come up going, come here, brother, I can get that speck out of your eye. You're whacking him in the side of the head as you're trying to get close with your own beam. And I know brothers are like, that's pine. That's a pine speck. I know pine. You got pine tree hanging out of your eyeball. You know, yeah, of course you know pine. You're staring at a stump. Get rid of it first. Now, before you go to your brother, you first have to examine yourself. 
And then the Bible is very clear in these steps. It says if you see your brother in sin, go to him in what? Private. Try to help him. And I submit to you, you want to help him the way you would want to be helped. How would you want someone else to talk to you about your sin? Hey, stupid. You know, gib slap him in the back of the head. You need to knock that off. Now, that might work for some people, and I have been used to do that. Although my wife would submit it wasn't because they needed it. It was just my unpolished approach at the time, which I agree. I, I cuffed a, quite a few brethren. Even even though I had already in, checked my own eye that I wasn't doing what I was telling them to stop, I had not thought about how would I want someone to come to me. Because the Bible is very clear. Do unto others as you would have them what? Do unto you. So if you're going to go to them, you need to go examine how do you approach them. You might be in the right. They might be caught in a trespass. Maybe, and this is what I... You know what's really in interesting in this church dynamic of, um, you know, going to someone to help them out of their sin is that these guys who volunteer for church discipline, they don't seem to understand the spirit of the thing. The whole spirit is to go and help the person be restored, set free. And instead, they just want to come along, and go, you stupid sinner, whack, you need to knock that off or get out of here. You know who they sound like? The devil. In fact, I submit to you, some guys have unbeknowingly fallen right into the devil's playbook. They're doing the very plays that the devil would like to do to a, a fellow brother. They're condemning them for their sin and driving them away from God instead of helping them be set free from their sin so that they can come back to God. You know, sin, it says, it's like a, it's like a trap. We get caught in it. Think of one of those, bear, you know those bear traps with the, the iron claws that come together? You, if you see your brother caught in a trespass, the Bible says, caught in sin. Think of that trap. Snap shut on them. They're screaming, I'm in pain. And you go up, you stupid. Why don't you just rip your leg out and go, you know, stub leg hobbling out of here. Like, you're so dumb for getting caught in that trap. I would never step in that trap. I'm so good. Like we act like we're holier than the other person. Like we would never possibly fall into sin and be caught in a trespass. But let me tell you, if I was caught in a trap, I'd want someone to come along and help me do what? Get the trap open. Focus on let's open this thing up so I can be freed from it. And then I would be nice if they would at least help bandage up the wound, you know. This is, this is where it comes in really handy to have somebody who's had experience Maybe they've, they've had the same trap catch them, and they know the pain. Maybe they've been caught by the same problem, same vice, whatever it is. And they can, th this is where it, true compassion comes. The Bible says we comfort one another with the comfort wherewith we were comforted. You can go, wow, I know what it's like to be caught in that, in that sin. You know, maybe the person's struggling with something, and, and, and you go, man, I used to struggle with that. Let me help you. Now, if you go to them in private with the right attitude to help, not to don't fall into the devil's playbook and condemn them and drive them away. Rather, help bring them back to the Lord. 
I find you never go to the next two. There's two more steps, by the way, of church discipline. If they don't listen to you in private, what do you do next? Who can tell me the Matthew 18 principle? You go get a couple elders. Get the elders that are more mature, full of compassion. They've been around the block. They know. Ask them, could you help me? Go speak to this brother. He's caught in a trespass. Now, in the book of Corinthians, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. They had a situation similar to this where a man was taking his father's wife to bed. Paul said, I have judged the man as if I was there. You know, just um, here's my word of, of judgment. Now, some people say, but you shouldn't judge. This is the hardest part for me to explain the difference because English stinks. I'm sorry, but we got one word for judging. And it gets used in multiple applications. And and unfortunately, the spirit of it is um, lost. Because in the Greek, there's different words. One is to discern right from wrong. That's judge. You know, to judge. Is something right in the Lord or not right in the Lord? That's a judgment. Or maybe I'm just going to call that Greek word a discernment. How's that? Just to make it easier. Because this is actually how my brain figures out the scripture when it says, that you should not judge someone else lest you be judged. The word there is not discern. The word there is condemn. It's past judgment. Although we just say judge. I don't know why. We say, judge this situation. Is this right or wrong? Why not, how about discern this situation? If something's not right in the Lord, we, we need to have discernment. We need to know. What, what would God's spirit say? Would he approve? That's discerning. And by the way, if your brother's doing something and you're wondering, is that right or wrong? I'm not trying to, to condemn them because we're all just works in progress. But there's a difference here. I hope I know this is such a weird subtlety, but be, it answers a lot of people's questions when they when they latch on to this understanding. You can see a right and a wrong. And and, you know, in in your mind, you see you see your kids doing right and wrong all the time. Right. As parents. And you want them to do what's right. Now, you're not condemning them because you see them being pulled to do right or wrong. And, and sometimes they, they slip up. You're, but you're, you're discerning, hey, this is going to hurt you. And you, because you are given the commission from God to train up your child in the way they should go, you have to point out to them, hey, that's not right to do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded in the scripture, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, speak the truth to one another. Lay aside falsehood, or another NIV translation says, don't lie. Speak the truth, don't lie, period. But when you see your kids and they're fudging a little, well, maybe a lot, they're lying is what they're doing. And you see it, what's the problem with lying anyway? They don't think this, there's a problem, right? Because if they thought there was a problem, they wouldn't do it. What happens when you tell a lie? You break trust. It grows. See, it does more than just one thing. These lies, they have this weird life of their own. It says lay aside falsehood in the scripture. Just speak the truth. Because while we're all works in progress, we just need people to be truthful and help us. And, and the Bible says to speak the truth with love. When you speak the truth, you can speak the truth and be brutal. And I realize it's really important. We got to share the things of the Lord with love, with his mercy. 
And we got to remember this idea, what Jesus is saying about this seed going into people. It's at work. And God wants to bring it to full maturity. But I believe one of the things that cuts off the growth from others being mature was found in the verse right before we said, be careful how you measure or how you judge, or maybe I should say judge slash condemn. Think of that as the, because the words for judgment in the Bible have two different categories, the judging with condemnation and the judging what just discerns right from evil to help convict and bring you out of the problem. They're done with different they both see the wrong. By the way, they both can spot the wrong. They just, one pushes people away from the Lord. The other one does what? It brings them back. Sets them free to come back. Now, the book of Corinthians, Paul said, I judge that man that slept with that, with his father's wife. And um, I, I submit to you, if he won't listen, and the church had already written to Paul to say, we've already tried to talk to the guy. He won't listen to us. So what did Paul tell him to do? He said, put him out of your midst. Say to him, look, you can't do this. Now, the Bible is very clear. It says if we walk in the light of the Lord, remember that light came to light our path. But first, John, we went over last week. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, what's First John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Would you turn with me to First John? I want to show you the verses right around that verse. And show you how wonderfully they tie in to this chapter that we're studying here in, Math, in, in Mark's gospel. Th let me start in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Now this is the message which we have heard from him and we announce it to you. What is this message? God is light. And in him, how much darkness is there? There is no darkness at all. Now, if we say we have fellowship with God, and yet we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's verse 7 of 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, verse 8, what's it say? We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Don't act like you're just so perfect and uh, you don't have any. Oh, I've never sinned. You just lied right there. Got your first sin on the books. Now, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. Listen to this. He says, if you ask him, Lord, forgive me of this sin. What does he do? I forgive you. And he takes our sin, he casts it, the psalmist says, into the sea of what? Forgetfulness. Never to be remembered again. He takes away your sin and throws it from you into a place where it is buried forever. And he says that, that uh, he, he forgives and he says here, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Now, Jesus, in this whole discourse of Mark chapter 4, has said the light has come into the world. The light came to do what? To shine, to illuminate the path. 
And you're not to condemn, judge one another, measure one another. The only measuring rod we're to use is Christ himself. And it's not to use to stand another man next to Christ's measuring rod. It's to put me next to it and say, Lord, how do I measure? You know, have you ever done this? How do I measure up to you, Lord? Every time I do that, I'm like, oh, oh. room for improvement. And then he says, remember, the kingdom of God is like that seed that got planted. And though we don't understand how it grows, it still grows. We need to be reminded, people are still growing. And this is something that would behoove us to remember so that when we treat others, we, we, we remember, he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And he who began a good work in that person is faithful to complete it. We got to leave room for God's work because he is faithful. And guys, when the crop comes to maturity, that's when the sickle gets put in. It's just not yet. You know, we read about that sickle being put in in the book of Revelation. When the end of the age comes, the sickle will be. They're not, you know what it tells me? We're just not done yet. So this is the word for you this week. Don't lie. Speak the truth to one another in love. And remember, we're still works in progress. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.